confession to me, Tori. We've been talking for several weeks now. We've talked about being in the kingdom. Uh, this morning, as we get started, there's, there's two passages of Scripture. I, I, I guess I sort of learned this from Robert Morris. If you've never listened to Robert Morris, you ought to find him on TV or radio or something and listen to him. He is He's a tremendous uh, expositor of the Word. And uh, so, uh, anyway... There's two scriptures I want you to hold on to. One of them is in Romans chapter 8, and the other one then that we're going to go to in a few minutes is in John chapter 8. So all, all you got eight is okay. Just remember Romans first and then John, and, and we'll get to that. But we've been talking about how that God has translated us. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that God has translated us from the power of darkness or has and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He's delivered us from the dark kingdom, from Satan's kingdom, and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of Christ Jesus. So now that I'm in the kingdom, I need to learn how to live in the kingdom. Things that I can expect in the kingdom. It would be just like if I had, had come to America from a foreign country. I would come here and I'd want to do this thing right. So I, I want to come in and I would want to learn how to live like an American. I'd want to learn how to think like an American. I'd want to learn how to, to speak like an American because I'm in America. Well, I'm already in the kingdom of God. Uh, in another place, Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. Even though we're on this earth, our citizenship is in heaven, in the kingdom. So being in the kingdom, I want to learn to live in the kingdom. I want to learn to, to act like people in the kingdom, and I want to learn how to talk kingdom talk. So that's what we're looking at today. And, and we talked about, you remember, how that Jesus said that there's keys to the kingdom? He said in, in Matthew chapter 16, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So these keys are like spiritual laws. I want you to notice something. As we talk about these, we talked about uh, the law of love. These laws are not things that bind us down. Like if you want to drive 90 miles an hour, there's a speed limit that binds you to 55. Right? So then going 90 miles an hour would be wrong. But these are not what we're talking about, laws like that. We're talking about laws, precepts, or concepts that work every time. Every time they're put in, it's like the natural laws, the law of gravity, and, and on and on. And I like to talk about the law of gravity because it's all something we know something about. We know that gravity works. You know, gravity is continually working regardless whether it's day or night, hot or cold, spring or summer. It makes no difference. Rain, snow, sleet, or dark or night can cause gravity to quit working. It just, it just don't happen. Gravity works all the time unless it's superseded by another law. Now, that can happen. And so uh, as we think about that kind of thing, gravity works. Gravity works. The laws of the satanic world, the dark laws, they work. Now, I'm not, I'm not doing a Star Wars thing, okay? We're not talking about the dark side and, you know, we're not got a Darth Vader going on and, 
Luke Skywalker and all of these kind of things. We're not, but, but we're talking about the kingdom of darkness has laws and they work. And we're going to talk about that. One, one thing that we, have to, we can characterize this kingdom of darkness is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. And, and so actually we can say it this way, the law of sin that produces death. See, God told Adam in the garden, I, I almost said Adam and Eve, He didn't tell Eve, Adam told Eve, God told Adam. God said to Adam, don't eat of this tree, because in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now, it wasn't a poison tree. It wasn't something that, that just the fruit itself made you die, but it was the sin of disobedience. God said, don't do it. They did it anyway. And death set in. Throughout the Bible, we see this principle that sin produces death. We find, we find in James chapter 1, it says that every man sins when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, has produced death. Romans 6.23, the wages... Of sin is death. Now, all mankind lives under this shadow of the law of sin and death. Unless it's superseded by something, and it is when we believe it and receive it, and it's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, or the law of the Spirit that produces life in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. That works every time. Every time we turn to Jesus, every time we look to Him, it's producing life in us, and it's a law. It's, it's a concept, a precept that works every time. Just like gravity, you, uh, an airplane that's got the right wingspan, the right weight, the right speed, and everything, the law of lift takes over and supersedes the law of gravity because then you can fly. I can't fly without that. Hadn't yet, but I, I probably will one day. So have you found Romans 8 yet? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Several years ago, I say several years ago, not, not that many years ago, but a few years ago, the Lord put me to reading Romans chapter 8. I read Romans chapter 8 daily, multiple times during the day. For a month. He had me to do it for a month. There were 31 days in that month because if, if it was the month of July. And I read the book of Romans, not the book of Romans, but Romans chapter 8. Every time I would sit down, I was reading Romans chapter 8. At night, before I'd go to bed, I'd read Romans chapter 8. And if I woke up during the night, I was quoting Romans chapter 8. I, I just read it many times. There's so many truths in Romans chapter 8, that, that you need to see. But the first few verses always stirred in me. And I'm going to tell you why, folks. Because I lived a lot of my life under condemnation till I found out I didn't have to live under condemnation any longer. So I like this. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now... Boy, I, I, don't say that someday there's going to be. But he says, now, 
this very moment that you and I are in right now, there's therefore now no condemnation. <laughs> I like that. No condemnation. You say, wait a minute, preacher, I, I'm not experiencing that. I, I got this stuff. Well, hold on with me. Hold on with me. Because I believe when we get through today, you'll see that you don't have to carry that condemnation any longer. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law, everybody say the law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Made me free. Didn't set me free from it. Made me free. For what the law could not do, the, they're talking about the old law here that, that we, in, bear with me, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, the Old Testament, now, in verse 3, for the law, is having reference to the Old Testament law, the, 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 the sacrificial law, the law that they went through in that time to try to be right with God. Now, I want you to notice I said try to be right with God. It was a law that produced the law of sin and death, and it carried constant condemnation with it. The book of Hebrews says that the sprinkling of, of calves and goats could not cleanse the conscience from dead works. You know where condemnation comes? If you've got condemnation in you, it's not in your big toe. I mean, it's okay if y'all say amen this morning. I know we haven't got a lot of folks here, but we make it sound like a lot of folks, okay? When condemnation comes, it's not in your stomach. Condemnation is in your mind, your conscious area. Your, your mind, emotion, and will, your soulish areas where condemnation gets in. And, and, and the things of the Old Testament law were not able to do that, to keep a person from having a guilty conscience all the time. Now, we, can I tell you this? The law of sin and death does not keep you from having, I mean, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus does not keep you from ever having a guilty conscience. It keeps you to the point to where you'll do something about it. Can I share something silly with y'all? I'm going to anyway. <laughs> you know, we had had meeting last week. Man, it was just good. I was in church Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, went somewhere else and was in church Thursday night. Buddy, I'm telling you, I just was blessed up, ready to go. Well, Thursday morning, uh, I'd had a limb that fell off when the storm came the other day. Fell down across my boat, didn't hurt it. But I was going to get out there and, and cut that limb up, get it out of the way so I could, you know, get on with life. I got my chainsaw out there and opened it up and, and needed oil to put oil in it, and I just put all the caps back on it and just went on. Cranked that thing up and got over there going, and I mean, I didn't get no time. It started sputtering and spitting and went dead, and I couldn't get that thing to crank. Man, it just 
I, I'm telling you, and somehow or another. Now, let me tell you something, folks. I got fleshly for a few minutes. <laughs> I got aggravated at that thing. I threw it down on the ground. And I kicked it. Now, I didn't say nothing. Didn't even think no ugly words, so don't go there. It just irritated me that that thing wasn't cranking. I was needing to get this done. Well, I went in the house to get me a drink of water. As I was drinking that water, I believe it was the Spirit of the Lord. I said, put gas in it. <laughs> I went back out there and I got my chainsaw and I took the gas cap off and it was just as dry as it could be. I put gas in the thing, put the top back on it, got it primed up, and it cranked and run better than it ever had. <laughs> and I took my chainsaw and looked at it. I, first of all, I said, Father God, forgive me for acting like an idiot. I mean, I just, I had just for acting so fleshly over a chainsaw that couldn't do anything back. And I looked at the chainsaw and I said, I apologize, chainsaw, for not putting gas in you. He's like, preacher, you apologize to the chainsaw. Hey, look, I'm free from condemnation. And being free from condemnation, you can do things like that. Right? And talk about it. Because let me tell you something. There's not a person in here that don't have times that that, that, that nature will jump out on the spur of the moment. And you don't need to get under condemnation about it when you can take it to God and do something about it. And you don't have to walk on under that. See, that's what the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has given me, that I don't have to go on under condemnation for anything and get my conscience cleared. Hallelujah. In John chapter 8, Jesus was talking to a group of Jews and and shared with them how that God had told him what he needed to be, what to say. And he, and Jesus made this statement. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say and I only do what I see the Father do. He said, I always do those things that please him. And verse 30 says, And as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Many of these Jewish people. There, and among them were people of the Sanhedrin, the, just the regular Jews. There was rabbis, different ones. But many of them believed on him. And Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word... Now, we're talking about the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Make you free. What we find over here in Romans 8, that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. See, there's a difference in that, and I know I've illustrated this to you before, between being set free and made free. See, if, it, it, it's sort of like if you're in jail for something and somebody comes and pays you bail and you get out on, on bail, you, you've been set free and it covers a period of time. But then when it comes down to it, if the judge hits that gavel and says, case dismissed, you've been made free. That's all gone. It, I mean, case dismissed, there's no charges against you, none of that kind of stuff. You have been made free. You wasn't 
just set free. You set free when the bond was paid, but you were made free when the charges was dropped. Now, that's, that's us. See, when Jesus paid the price, we were set free. But when I received that into my life, I was made free because all the charges against me was dropped. Everything against me was gone that instant. So I don't have to walk on under condemnation any longer. Now, here we have two concepts or precepts, two laws. Here, I I like to illustrate this with the left hand, even though it's first, is the law of sin and death. On this side is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, just like a law, we're going to look at it this way for a moment. Just like a law, it has amendments to it. It has things it covers. Okay? In the law of sin and death, there's condemnation. We haven't seen that. There's sin. It's there. It produces sin. Sin produces more sin. And then sin produces death. Sometimes the vehicle for that death is sickness and disease, but we know that comes on all of us, so you just bear with me. Then there's poverty. Poverty comes. You know, Adam and Eve had everything they needed in the garden. Now, they worked in the garden. They took care of the garden, but it was, it was not a labor and a toil in the garden to do what they did. They had everything provided for them, but then when sin came, they lost access to all of that, and God said, now then, you'll dig in the ground and you'll earn your living by the sweat of your brow. And all of this together produced the concept and the curse of poverty. Now, that's, that's on us today. It was, it was happening in Jesus' day. See, Jesus said to a group of people one time, He said, you're going to have the poor with you always. And there's always going to be poverty as long as this earth moves. Why? Because the law of, of sin and death is going to reign on this earth in the system, and people are going to come under it and live under it until Jesus comes back and this whole thing is changed. That's always going to be here. But it's going to be ultimately destroyed one day. That's the reason this thing of the law of sin and death producing poverty is the reason that there's so much uh, welfare. And it's not just in America, folks. This is all around the world. All over. And people people demonstrate, (laughs) people demonstrate because they feel like they've got a right to have something give to them. Don't they? Uh, bless God, I got a right to free insurance. I got a right to, to free welfare. I got a right to that. And they get mad and demonstrate. Demonstrate about all this stuff. Now, all of that is, comes under this law of sin and death. Then, strife and turmoil. You know why there's so much strife and turmoil in the world? It's not because everybody's experiencing the love of God, it's because. Of this law of sin and death. You see, Adam and Eve, they, I guess they got along pretty good. I, I, I would suppose they did, even after. I can just sometimes old picture Adam and saying, God, this, this woman you gave me. And I can see them after they, they get out, get kicked out of the garden, and Adam looks at Eve and said, I hope you just realize you just ate us out of house and home. 
I don't know that that happened. But I do know that they had children. And it wasn't long these children got to be grown men, and it wasn't long until Cain killed Abel. Why? Because the law of sin and death, because of Satan getting man deceived, the law of sin and death was set in force on this earth, and we've had death ever since because there's been strife and turmoil. Now that happens like Gary was talking about. That happens in churches. Strife and turmoil. People get. I, I'm going to tell you, folks, just being just honest with you as I can, and, and some of the worst hurts I've had in my life has come through church and church people. And I'll have to say, the 30 years here has been overwhelmingly pleasant with a few little shadows of some stuff. I believe Loretta could, could share that. But we pastored a church in South Georgia where both of us almost had a nervous breakdown. And it wasn't because the rain, it rained so much. It wasn't because the church building was white. It was because of people in that church that acted that way. Strife and turmoil and, and division. And, and man, there, God is not in any of that. You, you can't look. I'm, I'm telling you, two people get mad at each other. They can't, neither one of them claim that God's involved in that if they're both mad at each other. They can't. It just don't happen that way. Why? Because that strife and turmoil. Does that mean that if I get mad at somebody, all of a sudden come under the law of sin and death? No. When you get mad at somebody, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You realize that you're mad at somebody. You don't need to let that fester. You don't need to let that boil. You need to get that straightened out. And you need to do with them like I did with a chainsaw. Repent to God and then go ask them to forgive you. Because if you don't, it just festers. Strife. Turmoil. All of this under the law of sin and death. Tribulation. You know why? You know why Christian people are being killed around this earth this day. You know why you and I go through a little bit of tribulation because of the law of sin and death. It's just right there. And bondage. People are in bondage. Let me tell you something, folks. In church, are in bondage. We're in bondage to things. And I could I could throw out a laundry list of things that we're in bondage to. But you know what you have. The thing that just bondage because of the law of sin and death. Now, I don't like that part of the law of sin and death. You, and it just don't fit. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to live in that nation. I mean, who, who's trying to be an immigrant in that country, right? Wouldn't it be something? Hey, folks, let's let's just all load up and get on a boat or an airplane, and let's go around and live somewhere where everybody's mad at each other and fighting all the time and they don't have any food or any money and, 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 and you know, it's just everything's bad. Let's go live there. I'm not for that. Y'all go ahead without me, okay? I don't like living there. But the fact of it is we did live there before we made Jesus Lord of our life, and we see it all around us today. Sometimes if we don't watch ourselves, we get to acting like we're living back there again. And so that's when we need to come and deal with this thing and move on. Now, I like to think about the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, set me, delivered me. I'm not in that anymore. 
the law of sin and death. I'm in the kingdom of His dear Son. Now here, here's something I like to think about. In that kingdom that I'm in now, where the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus reigns, there is no condemnation. See, condemnation is one of the main reasons that some people never go far in the kingdom. They just seem like they bring that right over with them. And they, they walk on under condemnation. Condemnation works against confidence. It'll cause fear. The Bible, the original Greek language calls it timidity, being timid, not willing to speak up. Not will, and I'm not talking about willing to speak up about what's going on. I'm talking about willing to speak out about your faith, willing to share your faith, to take a stand for Jesus, that, that law uh, or that fear. See, when we talk about condemnation, Satan comes in and condemns us in our mind. That's where we hear his junk at. And we hear it there. Uh, but people, you know that Satan used people? And unbeknownst to people sometimes. And then we'll let Satan use people. Now follow what I'm fixing to say here. I thought it would be through this condemnation thing, but follow with me here for a minute. Say, say that me and Roger has a little out with each other. Well, I sort of draw back. I don't, you know, just, man, I just can't believe that. And here's what will happen. Satan will condemn my mind. He don't like you no more, man. He's been telling you. He's been talking about you. And I'll see him over there talking to, to Wayne Simpson. And, and as they're talking, you know, I, I do this a lot. I talk and I'm looking around at folks while I'm talking. And, and so I look at, I see them talking and looking around and I think, he's talking about me. He's over there. I know he's talking about me because he looked right at me while he was talking to him. He's talking about me. And then he comes in next Sunday. And, and he's always come to, hey, you pastor, he's a man, you're doing good. He said, you sure dress sharp. And he says all this stuff. And he comes in next Sunday. And, and I don't know he's got a whole stuff, bunch of stuff on his mind. Brenda just put him down before church. And, and he just comes in. And, and he, how you doing today, Rod? I'm fine, how are you? And just keeps going. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just exactly what I figured. And before long... The relationship that he and I had is shot to pieces because I've allowed condemnation to mess with my conscience, to mess with my mind, and to keep me away from where I need to be instead of getting this thing worked out. I don't know why I come back on that except it just it needed to be said. No condemnation. He said there's therefore now no condemnation. The thing of no condemnation means this that I'm moving on from my past and not letting it hinder my future. Not letting what happened hinder my future. If you study the life of Paul, read it in the book of Acts in chapters uh, 6 and 7 and, and the first part of chapter 8, and then the things that he said about his previous life after he became a Christian, in his writings, if you'll look at that, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Before Paul got saved, he was, he was a bad guy coming. 
He was somebody you didn't want to meet, especially if you had a Christian badge on, because he's going to haul you down to the arena and, and see you get beat, maybe even fed the lions. I don't know. He, he was trouble on foot. But then he came to Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, we're going to skip on down there, J.J. I got ahead of myself, and we'll back up. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, I want you to notice what this man said. He said, I have wronged no man. Receive us, I've wronged no man. We've corrupted no man. We've defrauded no man. Wait a minute, Paul. Hey, man, I read some stuff about you that that don't fit. You know, we all had a past, didn't we? Uh, you know why? You know why I know we've had a past? Because we lived before right now. Because if we hadn't lived before right now, we wouldn't be alive right now. Here back's past. Here present's future. Or present from this point on. It's future. And Paul, I, I, you know, I read that one day and I thought, man, this ain't right. This guy... He was trouble. But yet now he had enough audacity about him to say, I've corrupted no man, I have defrauded no man, I have wronged no man. You know what happened to him? He left the law of sin and death and got under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and all of that was forgiven him. All of that was gone because now he's functioning under the concept of no condemnation. All of that's gone. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When I got right with God in 1969, it took me five years. I'm talking about I'm preaching, pastor to church. It took me five years to come to understand that I had been forgiven completely of everything I did before April the 2nd, 1969. I mean completely forgiven. I spent five years, and I'd go to pray. And all of a sudden, I'd think about something I did back then, and I'd start, oh, God, forgive me, man. I just, I just so. It. For five years, I did that. Why? Because I was living under condemnation of my past life. But then one day, I discovered Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I began to think about that and meditate on that. And I began to understand, folks, I did not have to get forgiveness of all of that stuff. I had been forgiven of all of that stuff, and God was not holding that against me. There was no condemnation any longer in my life. Praise God. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or got there. He said, I've not arrived yet. But this one thing I do, that's what he said. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You say, well, preacher, how do you forget something that you did that's just so real and evident in your life? How do you forget it? Well, you live under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus knowing that that has been forgiven you and, and, and in your relationship with God and in your spiritual life, it don't matter that that ever happened. There's knowledge. Man, there's knowledge of things I did that I don't even want to share with you. And some I have shared with you. I mean, I was in drugs and alcohol and 
a lot of other stuff. I was in all of that. Back in 1969, because I was in California, and California's about 30 years ahead of anything else. What's going on in California will be prominent here 30 years from now. Well, I guess it's got closer than that in this day and time. I guess, you know. But anyhow, I was in that. But, and, that's, and a lot of that stuff I was asking God to forgive me of over and over and over and over again. But folks, I'm aware that was there. I'm aware that I did those things. But it don't hold me in any bondage any longer because I have put them aside. And listen what else he said. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. That's where I'm going. i got something else to look to now. And whenever Satan comes up with any of this junk, I just look at him and say, no, I'm going this way. I'm going this way. That's there. I'm here. That was then. This is now. That was hate. This is love. That was turmoil. This is peace. That, you know, that was unrighteousness. This is righteousness. Why would I want to go back to that and linger on that whenever I can go this way and linger on the things of God right now? Amen? Let's go back to over right here, J.J. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Here, I'm going to just real quick list some things that's under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and try not to preach on them long. You notice how I said that? Try not to. No promises. So don't hold me under condemnation about this. Under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have righteousness. Where under the law of sin and death, I had sin. But now then, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He, God, hath made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Now he's talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I can boldly proclaim that regardless of whatever may have gone on, even chainsaw incident, okay, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made me that. Under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have that. Another thing is that I have life, John 10, 10. See, under the law of sin and death, I had death. But now that I have life, in John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that more abundantly. And that's talking about life here and now and life everlasting. In Psalms 91, he said, He that sets his love upon me with long life will I honor him and show him my salvation. Under the law of sin and death, I had sickness and disease. Under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have healing. 1 Peter 2.24 Who is own self by our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin shall live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Under the law of sin and death, I had poverty. Under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have prosperity. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So I have prosperity. Under the law of spirit, sin and death, I had strife and turmoil. Under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have peace. John 14, 27. Jesus said, Peace I have... I, I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I have peace. Under the law 
of sin and death, I had tribulation. Under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have victory. John 16, 33. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. See, he, he, he said, That in me you might have peace. Why? Because in the world you shall have tribulation. In this world around us every day, you shall have tribulation. He said, You're just going to have it. It's not a matter of if, it's when. It's going to happen. Difficulties are going to come. Circumstances are going to arise. But Jesus said, I've said these things unto you that you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome them. I have overcome the world. Another translation says, I have overcome them and rendered them helpless against you. Under the law of sin and death, I have bondage. But under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I have liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So you see, and this among, this is the things among what we have. What we've been given in God's declaration of independence called the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Among these, and there's so much more, so many other things. But one, one thing I want to end in with this. Everything that is under the law of sin and death, everything there and all the consequences of it, Christ became that when He died on the cross and gave us the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Listen to what Paul said to us here. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed everyone that hangeth on a tree. And the next verse says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. Everything that I had, Christ died for it to give me everything I've got now. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I'm free. I'm free. What about you this morning? Do you, are you free? Have you accepted that into your life? And if you have, then, then the glory of God's on you. And, and, and He's there in you. But if you haven't, then the thing about it is you can today. You can know that. You can know that peace. You can know that tranquility. You can know what it's like to live under this law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Y'all stand with me just now. Thank you, Jesus. As we stand together, I ask you just to bow your head for a moment and ask the Lord just now what you need to take from all of this today and what you need to do. Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You need to make Him Lord of your life today. Maybe you have at some point in time, but you've got away from Him. And today He's there because of that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, ready to forgive you, and restore you. Or maybe there are just things that you need to pray about. And the altar's open. If you need to pray, if you need to, if you need to pray about relationship or anything else, if Satan is throwing condemnation all over you, then this altar air is open. Open and ready for you this morning. So while the music plays and we wait before the Lord, you come on and let Jesus meet your need this day.
You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope and you restore every heart that is broken. Sing it to him. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Give life, sing it out. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great. 